time for the Retirement Roadmap Podcast with registered financial consultant, Glenn Mosseller. This is the Retirement Roadmap. Walter Storholt and Glenn Mosseller here with you. Glenn is the registered financial consultant and founder and president of Roadmap Financial Consulting. And he's going to help lead us through the roadmap today to uncovering a possible more uh, understandable financial plan, a better financial situation going forward. We're going to give you the roadmap to how to get to a clearer financial picture on today's show. Glenn is based out of Greensboro with an office on Mears Chapel Road. You can find us online at greensbororetirement.com. Glenn, do you like crossword puzzles at all? Sometimes, Walter, they, they can be kind of fun. You know, that you, uh, you know, challenges your mind a little bit, right? Yeah, sometimes they frustrate the you-know-what out of you, too. <laughs> Either way, though, uh, they do challenge us in, in good ways, and they can be fun to do when the time is right. And uh, if you've ever done a crossword puzzle, I'm sure you've been in that same situation that many of us have found ourselves in, where you think you've got the right answer for 17 across, but you just can't figure out how the answer to 13 down starts with the letters XC. There just aren't many words out there that start with XC, Glenn. <laughs> right. <laughs> the problem, of course, as we've all come to discover, is that the entire time we were doing the puzzle and we were sure that 17 across was, you know, lamps or something like that, that it really should have been something else and that the X should have been an S. And uh, then the rest of the puzzle starts to make sense. Well, in retirement planning, we see the same thing happen. One wrong answer that we're sure is right can throw off the rest of our financial plan. And so we're going to talk about some of the areas where we see folks making these wrong assumptions or these, uh, you know, these thoughts that, oh, this is definitely the reality. This is definitely truth in my situation. And because it's wrong, it throws off the rest of the plan. And that's why it's so important that we kind of strip things down to the basics and, uh, you know, make sure we're getting all the right answers to these kinds of questions. So, Glenn, I'm sure as a great first example here, uh, one area where you see people walk through the door and they're sure about a particular answer and you do a little bit more digging and it turns out they're way off base is when it comes to determining how much income someone is going to need in retirement. You ever seen people's assumed budgets be way off from reality? Well, yeah, Walter. I mean, that can happen for a variety of reasons, right? I mean, we have to start thinking about, well, you know, what plays into income. And obviously you have, you know, have income sources, might be pension, might be social security, might be withdrawals out of an account or distributions, you know, from an account. You know, one of the things that, that oftentimes is is not thought about as much as it, it maybe should be is is the the interaction of, of taxes. Right. Um, because, you know, taxes certainly, you know, when you look at a gross income versus net income certainly plays a role. And thinking in terms of, you know, a lot of times folks think, well, you know, when I go into retirement, you know, this is going to happen and that's going to happen and I only need this much and, and so forth. You know, but you know, certainly we've got to think in terms of, you know, what is your tax situation going to be like, you know, in, in terms of your overall income situation. The other thing that we have to really look at is, is that how much money are you really going to be spending in retirement? A lot of times folks will think, well, I'm spending this when I'm working and I'm going to be spending something, you know, significantly less when I'm retired. And sometimes that's true. And sometimes it's not as much. And, and I always think, tend to ask the question, it's like, well, when, you know, if you're still working or if you just, you know, freshly retired, you know, when you think about, you know, when are you most likely to, you know, what days of the week are you most likely to spend the most money? 
you know, people think for a minute and they say, well, you know, that would probably be on Saturday and Sunday on the weekends, right? Or maybe even a little bit on Friday. And I was like, well, that's exactly right. But what happens when you when you actually retire, right? I mean, you end up having an entire week of those days that seem like the weekend. And so then it becomes easier and easier to do more things and you end up spending more money. And, you know, you used to be going out and you were busy working and you were earning money. And now you, you know, end up you know, changing those dynamics and you might actually be going out and doing more things than you did before. And you might actually start spending more money in certain areas. And so that, that needs to come into play as well. The other thing that I think, Walter, too, is is that sometimes folks, you know, they start looking at, you know, or they, they maybe forget about, you know, some major expenses that either are, you know, that, that might still be out there or maybe going to go away. You know, you start thinking about, you know, your house payment. You know, have you paid off your house or, you know, have you, you know, you know what, what is going to be your, the, the price tag for your living expenses, you know, like that, you know, on an ongoing basis. If you have a mortgage that's going to go away at some point or are those payments that might stop at, at some point or maybe you're going to, you know, change locations, maybe you're going to downsize and or possibly, you know, you know move, move to a different location. There's a lot of things that can factor in in terms of that, that monthly, you know, outflow that a lot of times folks haven't really fully considered. And so it's key that you're really asking yourself the right questions and you're, and you're going through a process that, that takes everything into account. And unfortunately, a lot of times folks, again, they kind of think in terms of, well, what I'm experiencing now tends to be a little bit more intensified. And, and we have to think in terms of, well, are there going to be some changes to that and maybe some changes that are kind of outside of your awareness that, that are you know, potentially likely to happen? I think that's just such a big area, too, when we start talking about income needs, often out of alignment with what reality is. And that's why there's so much time in the planning process spent on that specific conversation. But something else you spent a significant amount of time talking about, Glenn, another one of those financial crossword examples, if you will, uh, is determining the proper amount of risk somebody should have. Again, if somebody thinks they have X amount of risk and really it's Y amount of risk that they can withstand, uh, the financial plan is not only inefficient, but also might be completely wrong. Well, yeah, Walter, and and it's you know you you've got to take certain things into account, and and so obviously I think most people get the idea that they're that they want to you know pare back some of their risk, you know when they're when they're moving into the retirement years, um, but you also have to think in terms of well what does that specifically mean, you know, um, you know you can have a portfolio that maybe has quote unquote less risk in it, particularly if you're looking at you know historical you know uh, performance, but you know, what, what happened in the past is not necessarily equal to what's going to happen in the future. The other piece of it is, you know, when you start thinking of how much risk you, you know, you can have and, and is proper in your particular situation is when you're in the accumulation years, you're literally putting money away and you're not taking money out of those accounts by and large. And so when you, when you transition to there's no more new money going into those accounts, what's been saved is pretty much saved. And so now you're going to be starting to take money out at some point. Well, that changes the dynamic, you know, and then, yes, there's some there's the income planning element to it, you know, the, the longevity element to it. 
and um, you know, and and also in terms of you know just the time frame. Well, are you going to be taking out a certain amount of you know money for for a period of time? Maybe you're early on in your retirement years, and you're going to take a few extra trips. And you know, you you think in terms of well, my general you know risk tolerance is here, and and I you know and I should be okay. And then suddenly you're getting ready to take your vacation, or you're going to go on this trip, and then the, you know, your account values drop, and so now you're having to take a withdrawal out when you thought you had more money, and maybe you didn't take all the tax implications into account, and suddenly it becomes something different than what you thought it was going to be. And so you have to really look at all of those pieces in the full context of where you, where you are, and maybe you know, look against some other types of diversification in terms of, you know, maybe tax diversification in terms of time frame diversification and, you know, and how, and how you're going to make that transition from accumulation to preservation and distribution. Yeah. I think risk and income certainly are two of the bigger conversations that you're going to have with everybody who's putting together a financial plan. But we see these wrong assumptions, the financial crossword examples, and other elements of the financial planning world as well. What about when it comes to life insurance? I bet people walk through the door all the time, Glenn, just already made up their mind on, no, I don't need life insurance. You know, Or maybe it's the other way around. They assume they need to keep paying for this life insurance policy that they've had for you know dozens and dozens of years, perhaps. And maybe neither is correct. Sure. Well, I mean, you'll always, again, it's part of that, that discovery process is, you know, what, you know, what do you have? Um, you know, what are your needs? There may be, you know, when you start thinking about what is life insurance typically thought of, and particularly in the early years and your accumulation years, and when you're working, is is that it's it's really designed there to be, you know, income replacement, possibly to pay off a mortgage, you know, whether that that ongoing need is there or not. Sometimes, you know, folks think it's not, and sometimes it really is, you know. One of the things you have to think about is, is that, you know, if something happens and, and one person passes away, sometimes that means that all or a portion of a, of a pension might, might cease. Certainly, if we have two Social Security checks coming in, one of them is going to stop. And, and the other the thing is, is obviously the, those things are interacting with, with the overall income. But then you start thinking about, well, after, you know, the, the, that, that initial year goes by, the surviving spouse is going to end up starting to file their tax returns as a single person, which changes the tax dynamics. And now they're suddenly they're getting into the higher, you know, their brackets are, you know, they're now half the size of what they used to be. And typically your expenses don't get cut in half. And, you know, you may still have, you know, money coming in from different sources. You know, you're going to have, you know, required minimum distributions are going to be the same or similar. And, you know, or, you know, the, the amount of money that's, that's there coming out of those types of accounts might be the same or similar. But if you end up being in a higher bracket, quicker, then, uh, you know, there might have been a need for life insurance to help offset that so that there could be additional monies to draw from. Also, there, you know, there's situations where there might be, you know, some legacy planning that you might want to do for kids and grandkids. And, you know, sometimes folks think, well, I'm just going to, I'll leave them, you know, my IRA or, or, or whatnot. And we start asking those questions. It's like, well, wait a minute, those dollars that are inside your IRA are going to be subject to taxation and, you know, for income tax purposes on whoever is drawing that money out. And, you know, what do you think tax rates might be in the future? And you start thinking about that. Well, you know, if you believe that they might be higher in the future, then that's one concern. You also might be thinking along the lines of, well, if your kids, your adult children, you know, inherit this money, more often than not, they're, they, you know, that situation creates a, a dynamic where they're going to be inheriting that money in their prime earning years. And they're going to be making as, you know, the most amount of money from their jobs and their salaries and so forth. And then they have this money that's coming to them with, with an inherited IRA that's, that's also going to be, you know, treated as income. And there might be less 
less there than what you had thought or what they might have thought. So there's always situations we might think in terms of, you know, is life insurance you know, a need or a possibility? The other thing that kind of, you know, is connects in, in terms of the, you know, today's products is, is that oftentimes life insurance by itself may or may not be necessary. Again, it depends upon the particular situation. But in a lot of cases, we start thinking and asking the questions about, well, what kind of hedging do you have in place to protect you from long-term care expenses? And there are some products out there that we can evaluate and determine whether or not they might be a good fit, where there might be some life insurance benefits. But if you didn't have any other uh, plans in place to to help hedge for long-term care, there are some life insurance type of policies or annuity type of policies that have long-term care benefits or chronic you know care benefits that can help offset that and you know that risk for long-term care. And that that product might play a dual role. And if it wasn't used for long-term care, then it would still pass on to heirs. And so as you begin to see, I mean, there's multi layers to the planning and, and looking at all the risks that might be there. And just you, you just got to be careful of just making assumptions that, well, oh, I've reached this age. And so I'm no longer going to need that. I mean, that might be true, but it might not be true. And we, we need to explore all the possibilities of, of where, where your risks might be. And do you have the, you know, the appropriate uh, things in place to make sure that, that, that you're not too exposed to risk or that you leave your family exposed to risk after you're gone? Yeah, I think that's huge, Glenn, and that's why we bring it up on today's show to talk about because um, a lot of people have way too many assumptions about things like that, and long-term care expenses also pick up a lot of people that are very much so entrenched in one corner not realizing that they may be, you know, overlooking a really good financial strategy or element to their plan. They're just not even open to it out of the gate, and that kind of hurts people in the long term. I think that's another great example of it. Oh, yeah. No, no question about it, Walter. And and it's normal. It's like, you know, I always tell folks, you know, when it's particularly like if we're doing a workshop or something, I mean, you don't know what you don't know. And if there's things that are outside of your awareness or that you're not thinking about all the time or that, you know, that, that are not being planned for, you know, in your current plan and you're making a transition to retirement, you know, you got to really, you know, step back and reevaluate and maybe, you know, get a second opinion if you're, you know, if you've been saving and saving for, for retirement, but you haven't really done a lot of uh, planning around, well, you know, how does the situation change and what risks do I now face and what risks, you know, you know, could I potentially leave my family with if I'm not, if I'm not taking everything into account. And people intellectually understand this you know, by and large, but, you know, it's a whole other thing to really start, you know, asking those questions and, you know, and going through a process of, of you know, making sure that, that everything is being taken care of. Because sometimes folks think, hey, I've got so much saved, everything's going to be okay and everything's going to, you know, everybody's going to be okay. But it, it may or may not be true and we need to evaluate it and, and maybe, maybe we end up going through that evaluation, you know, phase and, and maybe, maybe it, that confirms that everything's okay. But more often than not, we find at least you know one or two things that that we probably need to address with with a little bit more uh, urgency than what was originally thought. Yeah, it's a good point, Glenn. And uh, you know, while we're on this list of financial crossword examples where we think we have the right answer but we don't, and it throws everything else out in the planning process, maybe no better indication of that than when it comes to taxes in retirement and making a plan for those taxes. If we forget to account for those or we underestimate those, boy, that can lead to a big hurt in a financial plan down the line. Well, that's right, Walter. You know, and we've talked about, you know, a variety of things, you know, throughout the many, you know, uh, shows that we've done. And we have to understand that the taxes in retirement, you know, can be pretty tricky because, 
if you're drawing income from multiple sources, you know, in retirement and you, you know, you weren't pulling from those same sources, you know, when you were working, then the tax treatment of different types of income and different types of assets are not going to always be the same. And so, you know, one of the one of the things that really stands out is Social Security income. You know, Social Security is, is kind of a, a strange or different um, item in the tax code in that it's not automatically or it's not inherently taxable. It becomes subject to taxation based on how much other income you have. And so when we start looking at, you know, income planning, income planning and tax planning or, you know, they, they kind of come in hand in glove because you have to be aware of, well, you know, what what's going to happen if I start drawing my Social Security and, and how does that interact with maybe taking distributions out of your IRA? Because, you know, if you, you might be thinking, well, I'm in I'm in this particular tax bracket. So that means if I make a withdrawal out of my IRA, then I'm going to pay that percentage in taxes. And, you know, your common sense would tell you that that, that would be true on one hand. On the other hand, you know, if you haven't taken into account that there's certain thresholds, if your other income exceeds, then it ends up causing your Social Security to become more, more subject to taxation. And suddenly that distribution had the tax of the distribution, but it also pushed the overall income beyond a, a certain threshold and caused Social Security to be somewhat more taxable. And now there's more tax due than what you had originally thought. And so that ends up, you know, surprising folks. And then most of the time when they, when that happens, and if they, you know, depending upon where their assets are, they might say, well, well, golly, now I have less money. I've got to draw more out of my IRA, which then can potentially create that much more of an issue. It's like you pull out more. Now that you have more taxes on that. You might also have some additional taxes on additional Social Security. And suddenly you're, you're not anywhere where you thought you were going to be. And so we start looking at that when we're when we're doing the planning. OK, well, what, what's going to be your situation? Does it make sense to possibly reposition? I think a couple of, of shows ago we were talking about Roth conversions. That comes into play when we're when we're strategizing about you know, how do we make the withdrawals from the different retirement accounts you might have? When do you turn on Social Security? It's all part of that overall analysis of, you know, of, of cash flow and income and, you know, and, and taxes. They all interact and it's very important that you understand how they interact or else you might have some unintended consequences. Great points all around, Glenn. Last but not least, one more example of you have the right answer. You know it, but it's wrong and it throws everything else off. And this is determining how much you can realistically withdraw from your savings. Can I take out 4%, 5%, 6%? Well, what happens if you think you can take out 6%, but really you can only take out 2%, but you don't realize it until years down the line when now your balances are way too small to sustain you through the rest of retirement? Uh-oh, big problem there. You're exactly right, Walter. And that's like I said, I mean, that's that's part of that overall discovery process and looking at what you have, what are your needs, what are your concerns, what are your goals? you know, and how can we get from A to B in an achievable way? You know, you don't want to be rolling the dice on on having, you know, that your, your retirement years be, you know, subject to any more risk than, than, than you have to have. And so it's, you know, you have to really think in terms of, you know, how is the, you know, the current economic situation, um, you know, in the world and the, and, and the country and, and, you know, in the tax situation, you know, what is it likely going to be looking like in the future? You know, what do I have saved? Do I have Social Security? Is if I turned that on yet? It, what about my spouse? You know, when is the right time to do that? You know, is there a pension? All of these things play into you know what you can do and how you can do it. 
and and when you start putting all those pieces together, we we talked about you know the the fact that everybody's situation is somewhat different. You know, all of those factors can play into you know what what's your realistic you know withdrawal percentage, and you know or what and what are you wanting that money to do for you that you're drawing money you know when you're drawing it out of those accounts. How long do you need for that particular account to last? You know, is it is it earmarked for this or for that? Is it income? Is it legacy? All of those things, you know, come into play, and you really got to, you know, better make sure that you know that you're that you're dotting the i's and crossing the t's, because otherwise, otherwise, you might make some you know some assumptions that years down the line, you know, you didn't know what you didn't know, and suddenly you're at a place that you really didn't want to be at, and if you had just asked a few more questions, or if you just you know looked to a second opinion, or made sure that you know that that you addressed all those different aspects of, of what you have saved and you know, and how you're going to utilize it. The old saying, they, they talk about, you know, measure twice and cut once, right, Walter? Oh, absolutely. Uh, as a recently, you know, beginner woodworker, I've learned that lesson many times. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. So you, you want to you look at it all, look at it all realistically and look at, you know, what if scenarios, you know, and, and just make sure that you're that you're taking things into account. And then you can make your decisions based on, you know, on, on, you know, on solid information rather than just hoping and guessing. When you have bad short-term memory like I do, Glenn, you measure thrice and cut once um, <laughs> just because sometimes you, you measure 28 and then you go to make the cut two seconds later and your brain says 24 and then you make the wrong cut. So <laughs> measure three times, really let it sink in if you need to. But yeah, great example and great point. So there you have it, some of the areas. And you can see there's a lot of them where people come in thinking for sure they are, you know, set solid in their responses and their answers for a particular financial planning element. It turns out many times that that answer is wrong and it throws off the rest of the puzzle, just like it does when you have a crossword puzzle and you have one wrong answer. It throws off all those others around it because you are always assuming that that first answer you put down is the correct one. And so if you need some help uncovering some of the areas in your own financial life where you might have the wrong answer and that you might be planning around that wrong answer, give Glenn a call. Talk to him about that problem and that situation, and he can help uncover it for you, give you a free consultation of your financial plan, and get you on the right track. 336-291-3535 is the number to call to get in touch with Glenn with your questions. That's 336-291-3535. You can also find him online by going to greensbororetirement.com. That's greensbororetirement.com. Look for the free consultation button at the bottom of the page. Glenn, that's all for this week's program. Thanks for the help, and we'll look forward to talking to you next time. Fantastic, Walter. Take care now. You do as well. That's Glenn Mosseller. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you soon, back here on the Retirement Roadmap. 